0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hey guys, you're listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Marketing Talk podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason Wright and Brandy Montambo.
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Jason Wright here. You probably thought I forgot about you. Man, it's been like five weeks since I've released a podcast. That just goes to show you that uh, intent without execution is a waste of everybody's time. I have failed you, and for that, I'm sorry. Uh, This is episode number 192. I've got a great guest with me this week. And I'll tell you what, the podcast for me has always been something I've really enjoyed doing. I love uh, talking to people. I love kind of opening the, the curtain, if you will, into my mind, kind of behind the scenes of the business and share my wins and my losses with you as well. It's uh, it's important for me to do and hopefully valuable for you to listen to. So uh, before we dive into the main piece of the show today, um, if you guys haven't checked out perfectemailsecrets.com, it's a free resource I've been giving away. It's, it's simply... Welcome series templates, three templates for your welcome series if you don't have one for your email, plus a explainer video to kind of tell you what you're trying to do and show you what's possible with that series of uh, templates. And uh, if you don't have it, pick it up, perfectemailsecrets.com. I know it'll help you. I use it for my business and I've used it for clients for years and years. It's a great foundation for sure. Okay. So anyway, here we are um, mid-July and this episode was recorded months ago. Sometimes it goes that way, but it has been an interesting year, my friends. But you know what I like about challenging economic times? Can I be honest with you? I like to test myself. I like to test myself and say, I don't like to remember, but I remember the road to build this business, and it wasn't fun for years. Not fun at all. And what's interesting to me is I remember what I was doing when I got what I was doing when I got started. And it's interesting to see how it pivots ever so slightly every year or a couple times a year in some cases. So it makes me wonder, where will I be in five years or one year or six months? Time will tell, my friends. Time will tell. So anyway, keep chugging. You can't give up. you got to give yourself enough history to be able to look back and see where you've come from. So that's another thing, the perspective piece, something I was talking to my wife Carmen about yesterday, is sometimes you focus too much on where you're not, man, I'm still not to my goal of X. You've got to stop and look back and see where you've come from, because that perspective is the win, you know, the journey is is all part of it and the fun, but you've got to look back to have any perspective. So anyway, all right, so this week, um, it's just me and a guest, uh, the guest is Nick Usborne, And uh, we have an awesome conversation and there is a a video compliment to this podcast on our YouTube channel as well. So if you like the video, check that out. And uh, yeah, without any more talking from me, let's check out the conversation I had with Nick. What's happening, everybody? Jason right here with another awesome guest on the podcast. This week I've got Nick Usborne. And let me tell you what I know about Nick. Nick is a founder of a company called Conversational Copywriting, which if you know anything about me, you know I'm going to love. Uh, He's a copywriter. He's a web writer. He's a teacher. He's a course creator. Nick, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Pleasure. No problem at all.
0: No problem. So I'd love to hear about your journey. I know you've been writing a long time, but for (laughs) those that don't know kind of your background, tell
1: us about it. God, how long do you want to talk for? Well, so (laughs) (laughs) I've been, I've been doing this for, 40 years, I've been making my living as a copywriter. That's awesome. uh, Which is insane. Uh, Which actually shows how fortunate I am that I've been able to have this one career for for my whole adult life. I started off, my dad gently threw me out of the house when I was like 20, 21, because I was just sitting around doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I went up to London. So I'm originally from England. I'm in Canada now, but I'm originally from England. I went up to London and I slept on a mattress on somebody's floor in a shared house in North London. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of, we were having breakfast. I had no job. The other people in the house had a job. And this guy was talking about what fun he was having at work. And I said, well, what do you do? He said, I work in an ad agency. And I said, what's that? I had no idea. I had no idea what an advertising agency was. And he told me. And I said, is it fun? And he said, oh, absolutely. Which back then it really was. So I said, fine. And they all went to work and on the Monday morning. I got out an old manual typewriter, of course, back in the, back in the day. And I typed just a cover letter to 20 different ad agencies in London, beginning with either A, B or C. I just went to the yellow pages mm-hmm. and I got three interviews, one job offer, and I took it because I needed the job. Mm-hmm. And it's like I moved around the agency a bit. And as soon as I got in the credit department and they said, okay, we're going to get you to write some copy. Like it was one of those weird, fortunate, amazing moments is the moment I sat down and did that. I just knew, I knew that was it. This is what I love. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm for. Um And I've I've enjoyed it ever since. So incredibly fortunate in that regard. Can you imagine going to work for somebody else now? No, I'm not. I I've tried. <laughs> so <laughs> out of those forty years, I've been a, I've been worked for myself probably thirty five. I've done about five years of working. I started off late as an employee in that agency, and I've tried employment a couple of times, and I last maximum one year, and then yeah, I I just can't do it. <laughs>
0: it's funny that you say that because the uh, so I quit corporate America twice and before I quit the first time I could make it man a year and a half two three years and then every time I'd leave a job it would become less and less and less and the last time I went back I could make it about six months before I was yeah. like, I'm not going back so <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm absolutely
1: unemployable at this point I just can't do it I just can't me too, me too. I, I, I like I like to be the master of my own mistakes Yep. I can't stand it when things go wrong, when I've got no control, you know, when yep. it's a, a company or a boss or something. If, it's I, make, the work. if I make my own mistake, I can learn from it. If someone else makes a mistake that impacts me, I got no control and I hate that. Yep.
0: It's like uh, this morning, it's uh, 10 a.m. Eastern when we started, I woke up at 9.35, you know, it's like, I don't <laughs> like getting up early. I hate getting up early. I love staying up late. So I'm a,
1: yeah.
0: a night owl. It's up usually till 2 a.m. And that's like really important to me. Like I don't right. like waking up early. So it's uh, just little stuff like that really just keeps you, keeps you happy, keeps you sane. You know, we have kids, we got to get on the bus so I have to get up and I get to go back to sleep. So, it all works sure. out. <laughs> so I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Um, what mistakes or missed opportunities do, do most marketers uh, put out there and onto their clients?
1: Oh, wow. That's a very broad, big question. So I'm going to be totally biased and, and just say wh- one thing I've noticed like forever. Is, no, not forever. Since I, So I wrote my first website back in 1995. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been kind of on. And from 1997, I've worked exclusively online. And one thing that I've always fight against is that the writer, the copywriter, is always the last person invited to the table. Yeah. It was true in the late nineties, uh, like with websites, it was the designers. It was the developers, everyone built everything and then said, Oh, by the way, we should find a writer to fill in the gaps. <laughs> and it, it drives me. And I'd say, guys, you can't do this. You can't. I, I, I challenged them. I said, look, take your website, remove all the design and leave the words. What have you got? You got something. I said, okay, do it the other way around, remove all the words and leave the tech and the design. What have you got? You got nothing without the words. You got nothing. You cannot, move people you cannot make a sale you cannot create a lead without words and and today I, I, i'm involved with hey I, I was involved early with social media it's the same thing everyone's really excited about the tech and the images and the videos and the gifts and the squirrels and the puppies and and i'm like dude what about the words and, and now i'm kind of involved quite a bit in, in chat bot marketing which yeah. i find really interesting uh, i'm always looking for new interesting stuff yeah and it's the same thing is so. I, I think the biggest mistake that people make is is that they forget that ultimately. It, hey, I'm biased, but to me, in terms of whatever you're trying to achieve with your marketing, ultimately it comes down to the words you use. Mm-hmm. And so the next the next thing I'd say, since you got me going, and since you only just got up, so I'll you know I'll I'll do the heavy lifting here. <laughs> is um, is that too many people like take kind of cookie cutter copy. Like they, I don't know. They'll 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 get a swipe file or they'll see what someone else is doing, and they will just drop in proven copy. And the trouble with with proven copy is that it's not your voice. It's not your company's voice. It's not yeah, your business's voice. More. Yeah, it's it's like something you've picked up from somewhere else. So you're throwing it in the face of your prospects, and your prospects know this doesn't sound like you. Or even worse, they think, oh well, maybe this is you. Maybe I was wrong when I. You know, perceived you as something a little different. Now I realize that actually you're just like the same as everyone else. Um, So that's the same. So my first big complaint is don't leave the copywriter out of the room until the last minute. Bring him or her in right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And secondly, right from the ground up. Sure, learn from what other people do. Learn from other people. Learn from best practices. But then start over in your voice, your story, your culture, your promise you know, your emotions, Yep. What you care about. So so the people connect with you or your business as something different, something special, something they want to pay attention to, something they trust. Oh my God, trust. Like the the fastest way to lose trust is to go all direct response, heavy handed on people. Yep. Because people get that I like that. But if, if, if people get a sense that they're connecting with you or, or your business feels like, I don't know, it just feels like someone I... I can engage with and that I can trust and that you listen. Wow. You listen to me. That's amazing. Um, that's a whole different place. So that, that, that's what I'm all about. Is when I, when you talk about me and conversational copywriting, I'm saying you can, you can be persuasive in your own voice. And you said you had kids. There's nothing as persuasive as a kid yeah daddy can i stay up late daddy can we go out and play and they know what to do they know how to t- they know it's not about bullet points they just look you in the eye and they flutter their eyelashes and they hit your emotions they know it's about emotion yeah. they know if they want you to do something they're going to hit you emotionally yep. kids know how to do it um and we so we were all kids we all knew how to be persuasive in our own language in our own way our own voice yeah uh, we just got that kind of educated out of us and somebody told us that we're meant to do it this way we're meant to you know use this crazy direct marketing language to get people to do stuff. And it's just not true.
0: Yeah. I think this is um, one of my favorite conversations I've ever had on the podcast. I've done a bunch of these because it's so important. (laughs) There's going to be people in my Facebook group. There's going to be people in my email list that follow me that are going to hear this. And I want them to know I'm talking to you. Stop using other people's swipe files. (laughs) I agree with you. Sometimes people say, Hey, what do you think about this thing I put together? And I'm like, that's not your words. Never heard you talk like that. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's proven. Not for you, not for your audience. So you're absolutely right. It's a, it's like, why remove the part of all of this that makes it so special and that's your voice. You know, when I build a a funnel for a client, what I say is, um, I'd love you to take a stab at the the emails and I'll give you kind of some advice on what to follow here then I'll come in behind you and make sure some of the little things we do correctly. Cause I want to capture your voice. Even if it's just a little bit, it's not going to be the same if I do it. And most people are on board with that and it works. It's beautiful when you do it because like you said, their audience is going to say, Oh, this is authentically whoever, you know? So Correct. Um, I was telling somebody recently that when you just go straight, direct response all over the place, you see people do it on Facebook, you know, they've got no business, they've got no following and they just throw out these direct response offers. And I'm like, This isn't a magazine. This isn't a mailbox. Like it's not going to work, Like, stop. You know, I used to do the same thing. I did it for years and I couldn't make any money. And I was like, I don't know why, but it's like when you just go up to people you don't know, like on social media and you make a really hard direct response pitch, it's just like going and doing door-to-door sales. It's literally no different. I don't know you. Yeah. I don't want to hear what you're saying. Get out of here. So people scroll through the feed, you know?
1: Uh, so, so you see, my my background is in direct response. I did I've uh, written thousands of pieces of direct mail before I came over to the web. So I get it, I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, uh, I'd kind of challenge myself sometimes. Like if if you said to me, and, and my colleagues have said this to me, they're saying, Nick, are you saying that if you wrote like a, like a, a series of three emails, one was everything you knew about direct response copywriting, and one was conversational. Uh, which one would win. And I say, well, if I'm totally honest, if I did that this week, if I went full out direct response, I'd probably make more money this week. But come back to me in a year. Yeah. And I'll tell you that I made more money over the course of that year with the conversational voice because I'm building trust rather than burning trust.
0: There you go. Beautiful.
1: So there's always an argument to go direct response because, yes, on the one day, I I know, I know the tricks. I know the tips. I've done that stuff. I've taught that stuff. I've lived that stuff. I've made a living with that stuff. I know how to do it. And I know I can win doing that today, Mm -hmm. but that's not what I'm about as a marketer anymore. There's also a, there's, it is, there's so much noise out there as well. So my 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 wife is a is a watercolor painter. Uh, she she's nothing to do with this business. Nothing to do with marketing. Doesn't even like my business. <laughs> yeah, my wife didn't like mine either. Really. <laughs> yeah. And so so one day, but we we kind of live and work in the same space. My 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 office area is the same as her studio area. And one day she kind of she just literally like groaned. I said, "What? What is it?" And she said, "Oh well, I signed up for this. Um, I was just interested in in this artist, and and he does some teaching." And uh, she said. Like then yesterday I got this email and today I got this email and I suddenly realized I was stuck in this and she didn't say funnel because she doesn't know the terminology. Basically she realized she was stuck in another funnel and and she was disappointed because it's not what she expected from that teacher. Mm -hmm. And so it was that sense of, Oh no, not again. So if my wife, so I started calling this funnel fatigue, Mm -hmm. So if my wife is, is notices that, she's certainly not the only person who notices when they're stuck in a funnel and feels disappointed in the creator for, for doing that. Um, so, but, but I'm not saying funnels are bad. It's, it's just, it's, so if it, when I, I have a course, like you said, I have a course on conversational copywriting, so I, mm-hmm. so I sell that. And sometimes I, I just go totally transparent on people. I said, okay, end of the month. I'm gonna, I, 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 you, you guys. I know that there's a whole bunch of you sitting on the fence. Over the next three days, I'm gonna go, kind of, I'm gonna do the, a series of three sales things. And I tell them how I'm gonna do it, what I'm gonna do, why am I doing it. It still works. It it works. (laughs) But, but what they, what happens there is because I'm being transparent, they feel that they're still part of this community, whether they buy or not, and that I'm not trying to fool them, I'm not trying to kid them, I'm not trying to manipulate them. Yep. That when I do try to sell them, I say, hey, heads up, tomorrow <laughs> I'm going to really sell hard at you. And I'll do it. And i say, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to do that last chance thing. Because yep. it's weird because the last chance thing works. But I don't want people to suddenly think that like I'm a traditional direct marketer. So I tell them I'm about to do it. Yeah. So I'm going to do the last chance thing at you tomorrow because I know it works. But I just want to give you a heads up so you don't you know get weird on me. Um, so yeah, total transparency, I think is, is super helpful as well. And it allows you to use some of the sales approaches. We know that worked like using funnels, uh, but not to, you know, trigger that response that my wife had of disappointment of, Oh, I thought better of this company or this business or this person. I didn't realize they were the kind of company that was going to stick me in one of these funnels.
0: Yep. Well, the for what you're saying, um, that's one reason I like video so much, because video, unlike any other platform, people can see you, they can watch your reactions, and they can draw that conclusion: is this person who I think they are? Right. Can this person help me? So, going you know live on Facebook and doing the video piece of this podcast is a huge part of my strategy for that reason, because it just even builds more of that trust and that relationship, and then. I write the same way I speak. So when I'm sending out emails, people are like, Hey, this Jason. This is definitely the same guy, you know? And I just think it's yeah. a, it's fun and it's a, a beautiful way to um, really let that audience know who you are
1: and what you're doing. I, I agree completely. I do. I use, I use quite a lot. Like, like today we're using video. So you yep. can look me in the eye. I can look you in the eye. Everyone else can look us. <laughs> um, but I like when I'm writing stuff often now I'll, I'll sometimes pair what I write with a video, but I do the video first because I'll do some notes and outline of what I want to talk about. Yep. I will talk to camera, I'll record the video and then I go and write the accompanying blog post or whatever. Yep. Because it's, it's, it's the spoken word that I want to lead with rather than the written word.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so if I, if I've done it to video and then straight after I go and write the post, I still have that kind of language in my yep. mind. And it's totally, if I look now at what, how I write today compared to five years ago, it's totally different. It's it, like five years ago, I was a formal writer. I love writing. I love the craft of writing and copywriting. I always have, like from that first day. Uh, but my writing's changed a lot. It's a lot more uh, verbal, a lot more conversational, a lot simpler, uh, a lot, not shorter, but I use way shorter words. Yeah, um, I, I, I write now like a talk. You know, I've I've just done this huge job of forgetting everything that was ever taught me about writing, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, at school and stuff like that. Yeah, the proper way, to, the proper way to write. You know. Yeah,
0: I love it. It's uh, it's so important. So let me ask you: when you're on this journey, you've been working for yourself for a long time, did you ever have that moment where you're like, "This might not work out. Like, I don't know if I can make enough money to keep going." Do you ever have that fear of failure?
1: <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> that's why so so we were saying earlier like you, both of us have kind of dipped back into employment yeah. states occasionally and, and that's yeah. usually triggered by an anxiety that i had like i'd get an offer which i always say no to except if i'm feeling super insecure about yeah. my future and my ability to to pay the bills and stuff so each time i've said yes it's because i've been someone's asked the question at a, at a moment where i felt insecure yeah um, so absolutely. So, so what I try to do now is, is I, I know that it, it still happens. It still happens to me. Uh, I'm in I'm in a pretty good place now, mm-hmm. but, uh, for years now, I've always like worked really hard to put aside a little buffer, a little cash buffer. Yeah. Like I have, I have a separate savings account and and that is my, if things go badly for the next three months account. Smart. Yep. Um, and, and it took me forever to build that up, <laughs> yeah. um, because like everyone, Hey, I, I've, I've been you know, I've had a, I've had family, I've had ups, I've had downs, I had a near bankruptcy in a business back in the nineties, uh, like, you know, Hey, life happens. And, yep. and so that that's one of the things because I I'm, I'm a warrior by nature and I'm a forward planner by nature. Like my, you know, I'm, I'm talking about stuff and my wife's saying, why is that relevant? I said, it's not today, but think of what might happen in five years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I get, I, I get slightly paranoid in like, like that. So, so absolutely. And, and, and I think it's, if, if people, I, I guess there are a fortunate few who, who get immensely successful right out of the gate and stay yeah. successful forever. Uh, yeah. But that's not a plan. That's just someone's good luck, basically, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I think in real life for most of us, we're all of us gonna have ups and downs. We're all of us gonna have challenges. Yep. Um, and, and so a couple of things I do is is one, like I say, I put aside my kind of two, three month savings cash. The other thing, and I'm just looking at a, a board over here, which has got one, two, three, four, five. I have five separate sources of income revenue streams. Yep, so do I. Five uh, And I've all and I've always done that so that if one or two take a hit. Now there's 1 and 2 are, you know, way bigger than 3, 4 and 5. Yep, so if, if 1 or 2 died, then I could ramp up 3, 4 or 5. Yep. So that's the other way I try to stay secure. And you know, when I when I was single, I hear that's different, but when when I got family and stuff and it's not just me, there's that kind of responsibility to keep things ticking along. Yep. So, yeah, I'm a big planner, slightly paranoid. I know things can go wrong, so I like that cash buffer, I like the multiple streams of income it's never going to protect me a hundred percent but it keeps me helps definitely helps me sleep at night
0: yeah absolutely it's interesting because I just uh, had this conversation with my wife and some people in my my group my team recently but I identified what I called the five buckets of income for us and like you said t- two are bigger three are smaller but if if one of the bigger ones goes south and I can see it coming I can ramp up one of the others and keep things going each of the two big ones is enough to keep everything going right. But everything running the way it is now gives us the ability, like you say, to save, put money back, pay stuff off in advance, all that. So it's really smart. Um, When I just used to freelance to try to build a business, it was just so, it was all project-based, man. It was just, oh, God. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to ever sustain this. I can't figure it out. So Yeah, it's hard. Yep, it's um,
1: The other thing I do, in fact, number one on my list is based on a relationship I have with another company. And I've had that relationship for over a decade now. There you go. Uh, we partner on a lot of that stuff. So, and number three is kind of relationship based. So I take super good care of business relationships that I have. Oh yeah. Um, I'm 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 not terribly trustful by nature. It t- it takes me a while to really kind of build trust in someone. Mm-hmm. But when I got something good going, I really really take care of that relationship. Yep. And I also make sure I'm always close with that person so that if there is something coming down the pike at their end that might impact me, that I hear about it early rather than late. Yeah. It's
0: not like that. Oh, by the way, you know, that last second corporate type that, experience. That happened
1: to me once. I had, I probably, instead of, instead of like five buckets, I had two and number one was like 90% of my business. Yep. And it was a relationship with one company. And somebody said to me, aren't you super nervous? Cause it was a fantastic client. It was a yeah. huge amount of money every month. Like mm. work. And people said, "Well, are you nervous that you might lose them?" And when I said, "Hey, I'm so closely entwined with their their kind of marketing function that the only way I could ever lose that business is if some com- I don't know if somebody bought the company and fired the marketing department. And then, and then one day somebody bought the company and fired the marketing department. Oh no! And I, and I had like I had like two weeks' notice, so that was like eighty percent of my income, maybe ninety percent. Like, but that was, so that was a huge mistake so so that's that's what led me to a lot of the practices that i have now
0: it was about um a year and a half ago maybe i really struggle on timelines like i i like is that a year ago or is that 3 years ago <laughs> it was it's been a while it's been at least a year and a half i had the agency side of my business um so like if i build do a project for somebody or i build a funnel then it's like can you help me like use this thing right so i had the agency side of my business the bigger the biggest it had ever been at the time and I wasn't doing it correctly. I was paying people way too much money and nobody's on the same page. And it's, and I thought it was a people issue, but I realized last night it was actually a, a training and systems issue. It was my fault, but I didn't huh. realize that at the time. But anyway, just the perfect storm I lost. That was like my number one by far income stream. I lost like five clients, like five big clients in like five days just by chance. Wow, and it went from hey, life is good. That's, that's, that, that's careless. It was weird because <laughs> five lights in five days. It was weird because wow. none of the things had to do with each other. It was uh, uh-huh. it wasn't things like we were doing wrong per se. It was it was just different stuff. And I remember like writing it down, like what in the world is going on? So I had to pretty much get rid of my team. My income took a massive hit. I, mean, I think I lost like eight or nine thousand dollars a month in five right. days, and I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Right, And uh, I was like, I've got to figure out a way to stabilize this income. So over the next couple of years, um, like we're talking about, I've just figured out, it's funny because I'm using the same information, but it's like info products, consulting, agency, affiliate. Right. And it's just all these different right. angles to it. And um, it's 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 set up very differently now. So I, I won't get into that situation again.
1: But. Hey, but it's interesting what you said when you said you, you realized it was your fault. Yeah. Because that is a... I think that's a huge, huge deal. I think there's a a lot of us, uh, like solopreneurs entrepreneurs, when things go wrong, a lot of people find someone else to blame or something else to blame. It's the market, it's the economy, it's the whatever. And, I think when you, when you take your position of, well, I, I take the position that, that everything basically comes down to me. It's my response. If things go wrong, it's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Sure, the market changed, but I could have anticipated that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you take responsibility for your, yourself, when you make it your fault, when things go wrong, that gives you freedom. You yep. now have total control of your work and your life. Yep. You blame external circumstances. You don't have control. You don't have freedom because you feel that you are a victim or you are a prisoner of circumstance. Yep. And you can't do anything. Yep. As soon as you take on responsibility yourself, now you have complete freedom. You yep. make whatever changes you need to make, you, whatever you need to do. So, so I always encourage, like I've done a lot of coaching over the years and I've always encouraged freelancers to, make that switch take total responsibility for their own income their own work their own uh, everything Yep. And, and and that that when something goes wrong the first question is always not is it someone else's fault? but where did i go wrong
0: yep and Do my that, thought that makes, was yeah. it makes sense for sure my thought with that incident was i'm a prisoner of circumstances like i don't understand what the heck just happened but what's funny is the agency side of the business set up different now it's it's Has the opportunity to just explode, but I was like, I need infrastructure. So my wife is like, Hey, I'm ready to get involved with the business. So I'm (laughs) I'm going through this practice of trying to train her on what she needs to know. I'm like, It's all up here. It's easy for me. So how do I way? So then I go back to my HR days when I was in corporate America. It's like I've done training plans and trained tons of people, and I was like, Okay. So I'm building out this uh, these templates in Asana, and say for this type of project, which we have like three types of project, kind of top of funnel things. This is exactly what you need to do. And there's, you know, tells who's responsible on the team and it checks it off, which is great. And then I'm using screen share videos to train on the different platforms you use as well. And I was like, okay, right. no. when I get somebody that knows nothing about marketing or building, when I get her comfortable and she's able to do this stuff, Uh, As a funnel builder and account manager, then when she can train somebody else, then I've succeeded. Then we can blow the doors off this thing. So I realized last night, I go, oh man, this isn't, I can't find the right people. This is my fault. Then I said that failure a few years ago in the business, that like mini failure, that was my fault too. But it was uh, trainings and systems. I know Mm -hmm. how to do it all, but I can't put that in your head, especially not in an accelerated amount of time. So I had that light bulb. I was like, oh crap. So
1: and that, that was another failing of mine is, is like, for, I, I used to be so bad at outsourcing, at, at finding other people to do the stuff that I'm not great at.
0: Yeah.
1: That I used to I used to waste far too much time on doing stuff that I kind of could do, but not really well. And it took me way too long. It was yep. just a terrible use of my time. <laughs> um, um. It, it took me forever to get past that. I'm, and I'm not great. I'm still not great at outsourcing. I still do stuff that I probably shouldn't be doing, but I'm much better yeah. than I was.
0: What's funny is uh, I actually was editing a podcast one time. It wasn't even video. It was just audio. And I had become obsessed with sound quality because like all the top people talked about it. And I spent like five and a half hours editing one episode. (laughs) And I was like, what am I doing? I don't make money from the podcast. Like, what am I doing? So this video that we're making right now will take me five minutes to edit and put on YouTube. Like I literally... Right, But fade in, put a fade out, slap on a, a little, uh, my son just made a great animation for the front of the videos, which is really cool.
1: Oh, and cool. I'm done.
0: I don't do anything to the sound. I just leave it as is because done and out there is much more effective for me than perfect and on the shelf.
1: I so. think, I think we have a lot in common because that's <laughs> it's exactly, that's exactly the dumb kind of thing I'd do spend yeah. like, half a day on something that one doesn't <laughs> need doing. And secondly, yeah. I'm not particularly good at. Yeah. That said, I do like to learn the fundamentals of almost everything that impacts my business. Yeah, at least know what's going on, so so that I understand how everything works, so I can have an intelligent conversation with the person that I find who's going to do it for me. At least I understand what's happening. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just I, I used to get stuck in the weeds too, way too much.
0: <laughs> like social media is a place making posts, you can get stuck. So my wife just took that over for our team. And I haven't done it for our brand for years. And she'll ask me questions and I'll say, I don't know, pick one. You have complete freedom. Do what you want. <laughs> and she's like, "Why do you keep saying that? I said, because I don't make money from fo- social media posts. So you're a very creative person. You have complete freedom. Like there's no wrong answer. You yeah. know the brand, you know us, just roll yeah. with it. So
1: it works out really well. And uh, she can do it. She, you know, so stuff like that, if, if you take a misstep and if you make a mistake, so long as you have a good relationship with your audience. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my audience, like, so, so I, I guess the same as you, you yeah, know, I, I have people who read me and people who kind of know me and then I have a close audience of, hey, we get, well, with the conversational copywriting course, the people who we, we have like, a, we do a zoom call once a month and we have a Facebook page. Those people, like when I screw up, They love it. It's like, (laughs) it's it's like, it's it's like, it's like every time I mess up, it just reinforces the fact that I'm a real person. Yep. Um, and, and they, they, they kind of jump in and say (laughs) that first of all, they laugh at me and then they say, say, what can we do to help? Um, so yeah, making a few missteps actually is part of what makes you human and what makes you attractive to others. And that's what makes live video so
0: powerful. It's the ultimate, the ultimate vulnerability. You know, I do the Facebook lives quite a bit. Uh, very impulsive with them. Sometimes I'll do Thursday at nine, but my, a lot of times I'm like, I have an idea. I'm going live. And it's uh yeah, it's that super raw uncut thing. That's why reality TV is so popular. Not people nice. are curious and attracted to what other people are doing. Yeah. I don't know how authentic reality TV is, but the idea is anyway. <laughs> so tell me about this. Uh, I'd love to hear three reasons for this, for uh, my audience here. Uh, why conversational copy works so well?
1: Oh, wow. Well, well, one, because it just fit. Hey, look, so here's a reason for you. It's the more and more you walk down any street, you go on any train, any bus, any coffee shop. This is what people are doing, right? That's all they do. This is conversational by, by definition. It's a phone. Yep. Not that people use it as a phone. In fact, more often than not, they're using it for texting. But when they're using it for testing, it's conversational. When they're on social media, it's conversational. This is a conversational device. It's where people spend most of their time online. So if you want to connect with people in the way in which they interact and communicate online, then your marketing, your communications need to work for this. And a big part of that is being conversational. So no more business gobbledygook all right and no more kind of fancy pants marketing stuff because that's not how people communicate on this device just just watch what your kids do watch what you watch what anyone does with this device and and like i say if you want to be in the same place as them write in the same way so so that's one thing the other thing is particularly if you're a small business um, so much of your success is going to be tied up with trust uh, because you can, hey, you can, you can, we talked about it a bit a few minutes ago. You, I can push hard and, and make one sale through old school direct response. But if I want a customer for life, not so much. I, I need to build trust. I'm, I, I'm either building trust or burning trust. So, fancy business talk and fancy marketing talk burns trust. Conversation, engagement builds trust. So, that's what we're number two. Number three. Um, Do you know, number three, I'm going to go weird on this one. For for me, as the writer, as the marketer, I think it's just good for your soul to write to people in an open, transparent, and honest way. I think it's just good for yourself as a person to run your business in a way that is not pushing or manipulative or tricking, but is open and honest and transparent, and that you're selling to your customers the same way you would... I don't know, share some exciting product or service with your mother-in-law or your neighbor. Like, yeah, you're being totally enthusiastic because you believe in it, but you're not being a salesperson. Uh, And I found like one of the big reasons I got out of direct response copywriting is I was beginning to feel on the inside of myself kind of yucky. Yep, Uh, I was uncomfortable uh, just as a human being. Uh, so that's my third reason why, is actually it just, it just makes you feel better.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Very good reasons. So, Nick, you've got um, great business and good things going. Uh, what's next for you? Got any other big plans on the horizon for 2020?
1: <laughs> what's next for me? I, like, I, I'm I just endlessly fascinated by this. And and I, I mentioned a little while ago, I'm, I'm really interested in this. And I'm particularly interested in text um so i'm doing a lot of work right now on uh, chatbot and messenger chatbot and messenger marketing mm-hmm. in other words marketing that because t- for me if i'm talking about conversational if i'm talking about simplicity then the the ultimate kind of constraint and discipline as it were for that is text because when we text we do it in very very short blocks yep. And we use emojis and we use images and we use maybe little video clips and things like that. I find it a fascinating, very, very conversational medium. Uh, So in fact, I'm developing a whole separate course on that right now uh, and immersing myself in that and building these little, building these little fellows. Because I just find that it's, it's because it's so constrained. There are so many limits uh, that I find it so interesting, I guess. It's so challenging, so much fun.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. When I was on your website, I thought it was on my own website because we both have the same mini chat growth tool in the lower right corner. And I was like, wait, am I on my website? And I was like, oh, wait, he's using the same thing. So, you know, what's funny. I'll talk about this for a second. I was curious to see if you can talk about text, but uh, the chatbot versus the two-way texting platform is super interesting because if you've noticed, Facebook has really made the chatbot more restrictive than it used yes. to be. Uh, When mini chat first came out, I heard about it on a podcast with John Lee Dumas and somebody. I was like, what is he talking about? And I found Ah. mini chat very early and it was wide open. Right now, you know, they keep, I think April, something else happens to keep making it more constricted, but two way texting is still kind of like email. It's, it's much more open to, you know, there's not rules. So both of them are very cool. Um, I heard a stat a week ago. And I think it was a texting company trying to sell their service. But if it's true, it's interesting. But it said the average person looks at the text they get within three seconds. It's hard to ignore something on the front of the phone. Email is much easier oh, to ignore. Yeah, so.
1: I was I was running a text on. I was running a test on text, and, and like, if you think of it, if you if if I send out an email, if I look at an open rate, yep. like I'm pretty excited by a 15% open rate, 10% mm-hmm. open rate, not bad. When I send out a a text like through the many chat platform, oh, yeah. um, I'm getting a like a 80, 85% open rate. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. And then if I have there, if I have something in there where I want someone to click and do something, like download this or agree to this or or choose this, um, you know, I'm looking at a conversion rate around I don't know, 60, 60, 70%. Which, again, you compare it to any other, you know, comparing it oh, to yeah. email or anything, is, is absolutely insane. Yep. So there are constraints in its early days. And, and, of course, like, the Facebook platform, the Messenger platform, that's not the only texting platform. Yep. Um, so it's, it's just a I, – I guess part of me, I, I kind of get bored quickly. Yep. Uh, so when I see new stuff come up like this, like a huge area of growth, because this thing – really is where people more and more they spend their time. And it's a terrible place to look at websites. You don't yep. want to get a website on that. Yeah. You're either going to be on social media you're not going to be on email either, really. You're either going to be on social media or you're going to be texting. Um so those are the those are the areas as a writer, as a copywriter, uh, that really fascinate me now. You know, mm-hmm. right now in, in twenty twenty. yeah Very nice. Yeah. So if somebody
0: watching or listening is interested in learning more about what you do in your company, what's the best way for them to reach out to you or learn more?
1: They can go and check out my website at conversationalcopywriting.com. They can email me at nick at com. I'm always open to conversation. Um, I put together a page for uh, your listeners, your viewers at conversationalcopywriting.com forward slash IIMT where I will draw you into my funnel. My funnel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which i hope you will find is a is a pleasant and and and, and, and not a kind of abusive environment yeah. i'm not going to beat up on you when you get in my final i'm just going to share
0: <laughs> your wife would not approve <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a nice funnel it's an open transparent funnel
0: there you go yeah well awesome well i uh, really appreciate you coming on the show it's been a lot of fun and uh I can't believe you have that domain, conversationalcopywriting.com. What a phenomenal <laughs> domain. I've actually thought about buying it before. I never saw, looked to see if it was available. I was like, oh, sure, it'll be there, but it's not.
1: <laughs> hey, well, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. This has been a fun conversation. It's been yep, great. No problem.
0: See you. Yeah. Hello there. We're back to the podcast. Nick, if you're listening, thank you, my friend. Appreciate your time and your expertise. If uh, anybody listening would like to check out um, more information about Nick, you can simply go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 192. All All right. Um, you know what I want you to do? I want you to have the best week you've had this summer. I have no idea where you are, what you've been through, or where you're going. But I want you to commit to yourself today. Just make it the best week you've had this summer. Okay? A lot of things in life we can't control The things we can control include our attitude, our effort, and our focus. So remember that as you go go out and conquer your day. Thanks for listening. See you soon.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of the show. To keep up with everything that we're doing, please visit intentionallyinspirational.com. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out our video podcast on YouTube. See you next time.